Welcome to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. Today we've got an amazing message of hope and healing just for you. God's Word never returns to Him void, so let this message sink deep into your heart so that you can walk out your complete healing journey today. Hey, good morning everyone. Thank you for joining me today. Anyway, got a good word for you today. Our Father uh, just laid this on my heart. In fact, uh, last week when I shared on um, a stranger plus spit plus dirt equals healing, question mark, um, this also came to my mind. It's something that uh, many people talk about and, and uh, wonder about. And so I wanted to go over this. So uh, just... Uh, uh, let's uh, start. I'm going to go to Mark uh, chapter 8. And in Mark chapter 8, we're going to read about, let's see here. It's in verse 22. What I want to do is there's a lot of similarities between this account in Mark chapter 8 and uh, John chapter 9. Now, they're two different accounts, two different men in uh, two different encounters. But there's a lot of similarities here that I want to point out for our benefit. Um, these are very similar. And what comes up most often with, with um, both of these accounts is that people uh, get the idea that Jesus just healed these men of his own volition and it, he, didn't, it, he didn't need those men to believe or nothing. He just did it. And he was going to do it whether they wanted it or not. He was going to heal them. But as we saw last week, that is not the case at all. And in, we're going to see also in Mark chapter 8, we're going to see some things that happened that opened these men's hearts to a place of believing. And as it says in Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, it tells us that what things soever we desire, when we pray, believing, we receive. And also another favorite is in Mark 9, 23, where Jesus said to the man, he said, all things are possible to the one who believes. So the belief is an essential part of receiving from uh, our Savior and for us to appropriate what he's already accomplished for us. That's so important for us to know. Our part, our simple little part, is just to mix with faith what we hear is possible for us that Jesus has accomplished for us. And that little part that we add to it, Jesus described it as just the size of a mustard seed, is our faith, is us believing to receive. Very simple, very simple. And we're going to see that in these accounts, that these men, what moved their hearts to a place of believing? Although Jesus never, like in many other cases, he doesn't say to these men, either of them in John 9 or Mark 8, wow, your faith has made you whole. But he did say to the man in, in John chapter 9, that he did see and believe on the Son of God, although he didn't know who he was, in the sense that he didn't know that Jesus was the Son of God. So all Jesus did at the end of that testimony was just testified to him that, yes, the one that you could see only through the Spirit 
that you embraced your healing through is the one who you're looking at right now. And uh, that's such an awesome point that that man in John 9. Now, I want to bring out this. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read this account now, and then we're going to go through through it. And uh, this should just be, shouldn't take us very long. It's, uh, you know, whatever the Lord leads, I'm willing to go. So verse 22 of Mark 8 is where we're going to begin reading. And Jesus, he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught or if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. And after that, Jesus put his hands upon him, upon this man's eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. Wow. So just on the surface, this looks like Jesus just, uh, some people brought a blind man to him and they said, hey, Jesus, do your thing. And Jesus did his thing. And the first time he tried it, well, it didn't really work. So Jesus jumped in again and, and prayed again. So, and I hear this so often, everybody says, well, Jesus prayed twice. You can pray twice. I'm not going to go there. So anyway, we, uh, that is a point, but did Jesus pray for the man or did he minister to him? Okay. There's a difference there. One is seeking something. A prayer is a beseeching or an asking. The other is re uh, ministering is releasing authority or power that we already have. So in each case, Jesus released power and authority that he had but it only worked to the degree of the man's will. Now we're going to see that in this. It's, uh, I think it's beautiful how the Lord included that information for us to see. So first of all, let me, let me just, I'm going to point out something I did last time uh, about the other blind man in John 9. Now that man in John 9, I asked the, you the question, would you just let somebody spit on the ground, mix up some mud and rub it on your eyes? What, what would allow you to have a total stranger come up to you? Just picture this in your mind. You hear them spit, and then you hear this, this sound of rubbing, and then it's getting closer and closer to your eyes or to your face, and then uh, you start to feel hands approaching your face. What would you do if you were blind? Wouldn't you want to pull away? Well, the, the man we see in John 9 did not pull away. Why didn't he pull away? Well, we talked about this. You can go back and watch it but or listen to it. But what did he do? This man heard something that he had never heard before. And it was the when, when Jesus told him that, hey, this man didn't sin, and neither did his parents. This man had never heard that before. And it set him free on the inside. In other words, his eyes were opened when he heard what Jesus said. His spiritual eyes were open. And that's what's all's required to see Jesus. We saw that uh, at the end of that chapter, was when your spiritual eyes are open, 
it doesn't matter what your physical limitations are because they're not going to last very long once your eyes are open to see the salvation that you have in Jesus. So because this man heard that, he allowed Jesus to do freely to him what uh, Jesus did, which was, you know, mixed up the mud and then rubbed the mud on this guy's eyes and told him to go wash. Now, in the same way, we have to ask this question. Now, what made this guy who was a total stranger, in fact, his friends or people he knew just brought him up to Jesus and said, hey, lay your hands on this guy and heal him. And then the next thing, the guy gets his eyes spit on. Would you let somebody spit on your eyes? Or there's the guy didn't react and run away and like, wow, what are you doing, man? Hey, I thought you said he was going to heal me. Nope, none of that happened. And why didn't it happen? Notice what took place here. This is so beautiful. It says that there are some people that came, verse 22, and they brought a blind man unto Jesus, and they said to Jesus, not this man, they said to Jesus, hey, will you lay your hands on him and heal him? Now, Jesus didn't immediately do that. No, what did Jesus do? Jesus took this man by the hand. Can you picture this? He grabs this man's hand and he takes the man and he leads him. Now, do you know what's happening in that moment? This man now is yielding his trust to Jesus to take him somewhere that he has no idea where he's taken him. But He's been promised by these other people that brought him that, hey, this guy can heal you. So the man now feels the touch of Jesus in his hand. And Jesus, as, as you can imagine, is probably, he's very gentle, but he still has a man's hand. You know, he wasn't a sissy. He was a man. And he, he, took, the, he took him by the hand and he led him out of the city. You know, that wasn't just two or three steps. That was a bit of a walk. It might have been a block or two to get out away from the city. What do you think they talked about on the way? What do you think transpired on that way? Well, think about the man's heart. He is yielding to Jesus leading him. Do you know each step that they go that he is safe and he's not tripping, falling, stumbling, running into something? And it's getting quieter, too, as they walk away. Picture yourself in the city in midday uh, in, a, in a town like that. There's probably all sorts of commotion in that uh, fishing town, you know. And so Jesus leads him away from all the commotion. And now they're at this place of peace. And this man is probably now really, uh, it's probably heightened his desire, like expectation to receive. And so Jesus stops him at this place. There, there appears to be no exchange of words other than that Jesus stops and he, and he spits in the guy's eyes. Now, I'm sure that the guy reacted in some way to that, but it also says this. Listen to verse 23. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. 
And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, how do you think Jesus did that? Did he do it roughly like boom? Or did he just very gently lay his hands on the man? You know, that same hand that led the man out was very calming, I'm sure, to that man and assured him that Jesus meant him no harm. The gentleness of the touch of Jesus, I'm sure, and the firmness with which Jesus probably held this man and directed him, this man now had in that short time a sense of trust. You know what I mean? It's like, do that, uh, you know, as an experiment, just to see how you would react. Get someone that you, you know, like, you know, a spouse or a good friend or something, and close your eyes to where you cannot see, and then give them your hand and let them lead you a good distance, like, you know, maybe uh, a block or two, not just a short distance, but, and let them lead you to where, where you can begin to feel, where you can begin to feel uh, them and their guidance through your hand. Now, see, this man was in that way, okay? That man was feeling Jesus lead and guide him through that hand. So do you know what would happen if somebody was dodging something and they're holding your hand? If they were stepping over something, you'd feel that in your hand. The point I want to make is this man, it's continually, first this man yielded to his friends to come to Jesus. Then when Jesus took his hand, he yielded to the guiding of Jesus. Do you see the man's willingness in his heart? See, he wants to believe that whatever Jesus is going to do is going to be a benefit to him. That's the same point we saw in John chapter 9, that when this, when this man that was born blind, when this man heard that Jesus say to him, no, this man's not at fault. He didn't sin and neither did his parents. That just blessed the man to no end, to the point where when Jesus said to him, when Jesus spit on the ground and rubbed the mud on his eyes and said, hey, go wash in the pool, he didn't ask any questions. He just went. <laughs> you know, he just took off. And, uh, and he had an expectation that everything was going to change now because that blindness was not his fault. Now, Jesus didn't share that with this man, okay? Now, we don't know the condition of this man prior to this moment. We don't know how long he was blind. We just know that he was probably in the town like the other blind man in John 9. They were probably in the town begging because there's more people that went by and they needed to live and support themselves too. So, we see that this man has developed a trust or a confidence through that short walk that Jesus took with him. You know, I want to relate this to us for a moment. Do you know that Jesus oftentimes is holding his hand out to us when we're in a challenge or trouble? And oftentimes we won't take his hand and go with him where he wants to lead us. And he's going to lead us to a place of quiet where we can hear what he has for us.
But oftentimes, because our mind is just spinning and wildly moving, trying to figure out our situation, or, or if we have a, a difficulty in our body that we're trying to receive deliverance from, and we're, we're doing everything, we're quoting, we're commanding, we're rebuking, and we won't just relax for a moment and just take the hand of Jesus and say, hey, where do you want to take me? And let him lead us. Do you know, that's what happened to me in my healing journey, was I was trying for seven and a half years, everything I knew about Jesus and healing, I was trying to make it manifest in my life. But it wasn't. I just was getting worse and worse and worse. But I had this moment right here that we see in Mark chapter 8, where Jesus came to me through his word and reminded me of something. Uh, you know, that it's believing that causes me to receive, not all my performance. And when I acknowledge that, hey, I've been trying to perform, I gave up and I let Jesus take me by the hand. And you know where he led me? He led me through his word. He led me to this place of peace in his word. This place of assurance, this place of confidence, this place of revelation, a place that even though I was spending much time in the word, I was not in the place where he was leading me. You know, many people spend much time studying about healing and uh, because they're sick and they're, they know all the details and all the points, but yet they're still struggling with illness. You know, that was me. And uh, so what do you do? You know, what, what do you do when you, you see that happen? That's when you have to just stop and you have to just take Jesus, the hand that he's holding out to you and let him lead you where he knows the safe place for you to receive is. And in my case, it was through looking at what he accomplished through his works, through his performance, through his obedience, through him, his faith in the Father's word. And when I began to see that, it changed my heart. It took my focus off of me and put it on Jesus. And in that moment, I was able to receive what was already mine through what he had accomplished for me. Now, this is what happened here with this man. Jesus took him by the hand. He led him out, gained the man's confidence and trust on that walk. And, during, and when they stopped and paused and Jesus spit in the man's eyes, think about it. What would you do? I'll tell you what my flesh would do. I would have reached out and punched him. That's what I would have. Hey, what are you doing spitting in my eyes? You know, that's just the carnal part of me that uh, that's dying slowly. Anyway, no, uh, seriously, this man let him spit in his eyes. But what did Jesus do? He didn't just, you know, run away. Ha ha ha. No, he put his hands on the man. Can you imagine the gentle touch of Jesus? I, I can feel it right now. Anyway, he laid his hands on the man, and then he asked the man. He said, what do you see? And so the guy looked up, and he said, I see men walking as trees. Okay? 
Now, what does that mean? Uh, what the man was saying was, I see, I see the people here moving around us, but he said they're, they're as big as trees, okay? Now, Jesus knew that the man was seeing everything blurry. He wasn't seeing it clear. Now, why? Uh, consider this. I'm not saying this is the case, but consider it. What if this man was blind for most of his life? Maybe not born blind, but just blind for most of his life, okay? Where he, he could feel the shape of a tree. You know, I'm sure he had his hands around a tree and how big it was. He probably felt all different shapes and could discern the size of a tree, okay? And so, but, and he, he knew men because they moved and they walked. And he, so, cause his hearing would be tuned into them moving around. Think about that. So maybe this man didn't know what it was like to see clearly. So when he saw the men, he just described what he saw. I see men walking as trees. And Jesus said, no, that's not how we should look. He didn't say that, but he laid his hands on him again. I imagine that Jesus just covered his eyes up when he put his hands on him. You know, he might have held the back of his head and covered his, you know, his eyes. And then he said to the man, he said, uh, he said, now look up again. And the man opened his eyes and it said he could see clearly. Wow, isn't that beautiful? Do you know something we can learn from this is one, the man just followed the instruction that he was given. He didn't argue with Jesus. He didn't tell him what his past experience was. He didn't tell him what the doctor said about his eyes. He didn't go into anything about, hey, look, you know, this is, I was born this way. I've always been this way. This is a curse from God. You can't take it away. He didn't have any of those excuses. And I find that remarkable here. Do you know, whenever Jesus talked to the Pharisees and the scribes, they had an answer for everything. They argued with him on every single point. But, you know, well, this is what Moses says. This is what this says. You know, they went back and forth. It's like, give me a break. But you know what's contrast here is this man in the city of Bethesda. You know, this is an interesting point. Do you know that Jesus condemned uh, Bethesda and Capernaum? I think it was in Corazon, he said, wow. He said, if the works, the mighty works that had been done in those cities had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, that they would have remained to this day, the day he was living in. So Jesus was saying, wow, those places are, the, I did a lot of works in there, but those people didn't repent. They didn't change the way they thought. They didn't embrace the kingdom of heaven. They didn't accept me for who I am. He said, wow, can you see why he led the man out of that city? In fact, listen to this next verse. It says, uh, verse, uh, verse 26, and he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. Wow. Jesus led him away from a place of unbelief. You know, a place of unrepentance. And he led him out to a place 
where he was free from that oppression. Do you know if we're in a group of people who don't believe, who are, are not penitent, in other words, their heart isn't towards God, that that's going to have an influence on you if you remain in that environment? Jesus realized that, and he also realized that he wasn't going to do any more works in that town because they had, uh, they had re resisted the Holy Spirit that was ministering through Jesus. So just as he advised his disciples, if they don't receive you, kick the dust off your feet and go on. And that's exactly what Jesus did. You know, think about this. In Capernaum, uh, one of the cities that Jesus rebuked along with Bethsaida is, um, you know, it was the centurion, uh, a carnal, natural-minded man was the one who Jesus commented had the greatest faith of any that he had met in Israel. Wow. So it wasn't that those people couldn't believe, it's they chose not to believe, okay? And so Jesus led him out of this city, and even after the man received healing, he said, don't go tell them. Don't, don't, don't uh, cast your pearls before swine. I'm not going to go in there and tell them or deliver them of anything, because my father said, hey, uh, uh, to shake my dust, shake the dust of that town off my feet. And that's what I did. So we brought him out of the town and then told him, don't go back in the town. Do you know that this is a principle that's shared over and over in the word? It says that, you know, if we, if we build again the things which we have destroyed through receiving Christ Jesus as our Savior, it says we make ourselves a transgressor. That's in uh, Galatians chapter 2. You know, and that's the point that's being made. If, if you are delivered out of corruption and set free, and then you go back and start experiencing that corruption again, you're not immune. It's going to have an influence on your heart. And just like he told the man in John chapter 5, he said, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. That is a truth in God's word. We don't want to partake of the flesh after we've been delivered unto the spirit. You know, uh, Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, he said that the spirit wars against the flesh and vice versa. And he said that you cannot do the things that you would, which is following after the spirit, if you're walking after the flesh. And so these warnings that Jesus gave weren't to keep them from anything beneficial to them, but was to keep them from being robbed by the enemy of the gift of God that each of them had received. So anyway, I think that's very important. Now, this man, a point I was making was this man yielded over and over and over to Jesus each time he did something. And we can learn from that. We can learn that if Jesus is leading us to do something, even if it's against uh, what our past experience is, or we may not understand it, if the Spirit of God is leading us, if we'll yield to it, if we keep yielding to it, it's going to produce the peaceable fruit of righteousness in those that exercise themselves in that. That's what it tells us in Hebrews. And so the word of God is a sure 
is sure to us as it is to anyone who will receive it. But we must yield to it because our Father is not imposing the healing of Christ on us. He just said, hey, I've given it to you. It's, it's resting within you. It's my spirit is there to quicken and give life to your mortal body, but you must yield to it. I will not violate your free will. And so we see in this case, this man also doing the same thing. He kept yielding to Jesus over and over. So just I want to just back up and make this a one point is, you know, uh, looking to our senses for evidence of deliverance is a very slippery slope, okay? And, and it hindered me from receiving healing because the more I learned of the word, I kept saying, I kept thinking in my mind, well, if I was really healed, then I wouldn't have these symptoms, okay? But folks, I'm going to share something with you. You know, your, your symptoms, the presence of them or the lack of them is not an indication whether you're healed or not healed. But if you allow them to be, you're going to hinder your own heart from walking in victory. You know, um, so when Jesus had this man look, open his eyes and look, it wasn't to, to prove anything to the man. It was more for Jesus's sake who couldn't see through the man's eyes. In other words, Jesus is showing that he couldn't see what the man was seeing. So he just asked him a question. He wasn't trying to get the man to focus on his problem, his past problem. Jesus didn't ask him that. He said, what do you see? In other words, Jesus was affirming that what he had done was complete. But what this man was receiving wasn't when he expressed, Jesus realized the man wasn't receiving the fullness of it. So you could look at it this way. The laying on again of the hands of Jesus was more so to get the man to say, hey, it's finished, than it was that Jesus actually had to release a little bit more power. You could look at it that way. Let me tell you a quick testimony about another minister. I had this minister, uh, this minister that I know, and he was ministering uh, at a healing service. And he had this one gal who... Uh, was brought up by her mother uh, after the service. And uh, they were, you know, he was talking to the girl and he said, you know, he asked her, she's just a teenager and, and uh, she had this problem in her chest where uh, her heart was, it felt like her heart was just constantly hurting. And so he asked, he asked the girl, he said, do you believe that uh, Jesus uh, will heal that and take that away from you today? And the girl was very honest. She said, you know, I, I really don't, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't think that that's going to happen. And so the man continued, the minister continued, and he said, do you, let me ask you this. He said, do you think that maybe Jesus could just make it feel a little bit better? And the girl stopped and thought for a minute. She said, yeah, yeah, I believe that he could probably help me a little bit. And so the man laid his hands on this teenager and uh, he just, you know, uh, ministered to her. 
And he said, while he was ministering, he was looking at her and he said, he, her eyes just kind of lit up. And she said, wow. She said, I feel a change. She said, I don't feel quite the tension in my chest anymore. And he said, now he said, do you think that if Jesus was able to do that, do you think you could believe that he could take it all away? And she said, yes, I do. See, in this man, and the man laid his hands on her again, and she it all went away, completely left her. And the point I want to make is this man in his ministry was doing nothing different than Jesus was by leading this person out away from the town. And in that connection with this man, he gained his trust and his confidence, okay? And that's what happened in this interaction between the minister and this young teenage girl, is that she, she had uh, gained confidence in what Jesus could do by yielding her heart just that little bit to accept that, yeah, it is possible that Jesus could make me feel a little bit better. Now, isn't that an awesome testimony? Now, that's exactly what's happened here is the exact same thing. And, and I'm not sure I never talked to my, uh, the minister friend about that, but uh, I'm not sure he might have gotten that understanding from this. I have no idea. But that's what I see in this, the exact same thing, is that this, Jesus gained this man's trust and confidence from a total stranger. See, this man didn't know who Jesus was. He only heard that this guy can lay his hands on you and you'll be better and you'll be able to see. That's all he knew about this guy who took his hand and led him out of the town. So each step was, he was gaining confidence. I can't stress that enough because that's what the word of God is designed to do in our lives. If we'll take the hand of Jesus through his word, and we'll walk with him and let him lead us to the place of safety. When we get there, we'll know it and we'll be able to receive in that place because that's what happened to this man here. Now, that's what happened to the blind man in John 9 as well. Jesus didn't heal that man against his will, but each interaction with Jesus produced trust or confidence for the man to believe more and more. So when Jesus told the man in John 9, now go wash in the pool of Siloam, he went that whole distance. It was probably a more than a half mile to walk to the to the uh, the pool of Siloam, but he went anyway. It doesn't share, share that he had anybody leading or guiding him, but when you believe something, you're able to do things beyond your natural ability. In other words, when we believe our Father makes a way for us to get to the destination that Jesus is leading. But we must yield first through belief to each thing that he is leading and guiding us in. Because again, he won't violate our free will. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that out today. Um, I think that's uh, very important uh, to understand these principles here. Uh, to see that it's not our Father that's um, withholding healing from you or, or waiting, dangling it over a carrot where you got to follow him and then get to a place. No, he actually has sent Jesus to take you by the hand and to lead you out. 
And uh, again, I want to remind you these encouraging words of Jesus. Hey, look, you go home and don't go back in that town and don't tell them what I did for you. In other words, Jesus was saying they're not worthy of what I have to that I have given to you and that you have received. And I think that's awesome that we should we should value the word of God in the same way that Jesus did. And so anyway, I, I encourage you to go back over this. Thank you so much for joining with me today. Love you all. Bye-bye now. We hope you got some great nuggets of wisdom out of that teaching. Thank you for listening to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. And don't forget, you can find us live on Facebook and YouTube seven days a week. If you would like to donate, please go to www.healingjourneystoday.com. Isaiah 53.5 says, And by His stripes, we are healed. God bless you.